See, how y'all doing today? Are you good? Come on. If you're good, shout, I'm good. Amen. Amen. Well, it is good to be here with you guys today. That's for sure. And I'm going to skip all the other pleasantries. I already told you I love you. Appreciate you. Glad you're here. Um, but we got a, a very, we got a lot to get done in a very short time to get it done this morning. Um, so we're, we're going to hop right in it. But last week's uh, message was titled Miracle of intercession. Come on, say that with me. Miracle of intercession. And listen, we're going to talk a lot today because I want this written on the tablet of your hearts. Um, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so I'm trying to get you to speak it so that, man, it starts to well up in your heart. Miracle of intercession. And this week's title for this message this week, wait for it, dot, 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 suspense, suspense, right? Wish I had keys up here. No. Miracle of intercession two. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Like, I went way out on my creative limb um, on that one. It took me hours to come up with that title. Uh, no, but no, I'm, ex- I'm excited about this because, man, I'm really believing God is going to reveal a lot to us through this miracle of intercession. Um, it's something that the church has to understand and go after um, because there's such power in this miracle, this miracle of intercession. It has so much power and authority, and, and the reason it does is because when we do it, when we're interceding on behalf of others, we, we look like Jesus and we act just like Jesus. This is why it carries power and, and authority, but it has very little to almost nothing to do with, with us, right? Like very, very little to almost nothing and everything to do with him in the context of our strength, our righteousness, right? Because our righteousness is as filthy rags. The Bible says it's, it's torn and tattered trying to cover up all the shame in our lives and the things we've got hidden in our lives, right? Our righteousness will, it'll get torn and tattered, but, but the righteousness of Christ covers and, and gets rid of those things. It's actually amazing. Matter of fact, the Bible says that God takes your sin when you plead the blood of Jesus over your life. He takes it and throws it into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be brought before you again. It's amazing. It's amazing. But the reason that the, the, the intercession has such power and authority is because when we're doing it, man, we're becoming like him, looking like him, acting just like Jesus. And so it, it carries such, such authority. In Matthew chapter 28, right? It's right before Jesus ascends to go be with the father, right before he leaves. He's already died. He's resurrected again, seated upon high. How many of you are so excited for his resurrection this morning, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. The grave that, that was, that's empty now, the one we thought was dead has come to life again. It's amazing because without the resurrection, there is no gospel. There is no gospel. The cross would just be an execution without the resurrection. But because he did raise again, man, we got, we got incredible promises in, in, in God. But right before he goes to, to ascend into the heavens, to take his rightful place by the right hand of the Father, seated in all power and all glory, Jesus looks back at his followers and says, and he says this, he says, all, come on, say all. all. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Every single bit of it. And so if you and I believe that and, and actually receive that, then Jesus gives us a promise in John chapter 14 and verse 12. Gives us a promise. He says, the one who believes and receives me and the power and authority that I have, the one who believes that, the works that I have done, 
they will do also. And even greater works than these will he do. It's incredible. It's incredible. And this is, this is a, a true literal text. This is talking about manifesting things in the natural is what Jesus is talking about. See, the power and authority of our intercession has everything to do with who Jesus is and what he's done for us and him living and breathing and moving on the inside of us. Did you not know that your bodies are now a temple of the Holy Ghost? The Holy Spirit, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you, amen. And so when we intercede, right, on behalf of others, man, we're looking and acting just like the son of God being conformed into his image and into his likeness. See Romans chapter eight, man, the word of God is clear. It says that Jesus is seated right now at the right hand of the father of all power right now, interceding, making great intercession is actually how it says it. Great intercession on behalf of us, for us. So when we do it, we're, we're being like him. Luke chapter 17, the whole chapter, Jesus is interceding on behalf of his followers. You need to go read it at your homework assignment for this week, amen. Go read Luke chapter 17, because it's, it's, it's really amazing. But he's interceding for, for his people. Now, obviously, obviously, who he's interceding for, he's talking to the Father on behalf of them. And who he's interceding for is the people that's right there with him, right then, right? He, he's, he's praying for them specifically. But you know what's really cool about Jesus? Here's what's amazing about him. See, he is the word of God, become flesh, and he dwelt among us. He is before all things. He's in all things. He's after all things. He is the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He's the alpha and the omega. Simply meaning this, man, that when he speaks, his words stand the test of time. Matter of fact, his word echoes through time. The scripture said that, that the word of God never returns void. It, it, never, it never comes back without accomplishing what it sets out to accomplish. It, it never returns. And he is the name by which he is called is the word of God. So when he speaks, man, his word will come to pass. So this prayer that Jesus prayed over 2000 years ago is still in effect today for his followers, for his believers. That same intercession is going up before the father covering you and me, standing in the gap for you and I. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's an incredible miracle, this intercession. In Matthew chapter 16, right? Matthew 16, Jesus makes this statement. He says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I will give you, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven of heaven. If you put your faith in me, if you give your lives fully over to me, if you put your trust in me, if you, if you build your life upon me, then I will give you the keys to the kingdom so that whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And, and why is this so amazing? I'm glad you asked so I can explain it. The reason it's so amazing the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of heaven, there's no disease, there's no sickness, there's zero pain. None of that is taking place. The only thing in the kingdom of heaven is the presence of God. The only thing coming forth is the word of God. The only thing being carried out is the will 
of God in the kingdom. Which, by the way, is why Jesus tells us to pray in the Lord's prayer, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? And in intercession, what it, what it causes us to be able to do, because Jesus gave us the keys to the kingdom, we can pray and heaven will invade earth. And when heaven invades earth, when, when God shows up in our midst, he brings with him everything he is. Perfect harmony, perfect peace, perfect healing. All those things are available to us. It's, it's the, the perfection of the fullness of who God is and what he intends for his, his people. Now listen, am I saying this, that on this earth, we will have the perfection of heaven, right? No, not right now. Not the fullness of his perfection. However, what I am saying is, is this, that through the miracle of intercession, we can watch and pray as heaven invades the earth, even if it's only for a moment. Even if just for a moment. And man, I'm telling you, when it happens, when Jesus shows up, and I promise you there's no mistaking it. Like, the, like there's no, there's like, was that him or was it not? Like I've had people say, well, I, I don't know if it was him. I promise you, you'll know it because there's nothing like you've ever felt in your life. It, there's nothing to compare it to. You're like, oh my goodness. Man, the other night when we were here praying, interceding, heaven showed up, man. And it was amazing. We, we felt the presence of God so thick. Prophecy was going forth and, and, and words of wisdom and knowledge and, and, and encouragement. It was, it was incredible. But man, if we can just have heaven invade earth, even if just for a moment, because in one moment, Jesus can bring about more change than tens of thousands of moments anywhere else in the world with anyone else in the world. It's so true. Just one moment spent with him, just one moment of heaven invading the earth is worth more than any other moment with any other person on the face of this planet. And our intercession, right, has the power and authority to cause God to invade our space to invade our space. It's amazing, matter of fact, intercession, part of it would be a part of worship is included in that and, and God inhabits the praises of his, of his people. He invades our space. And look, just in case you're wondering if, you, if, if you're not sure what CWC believes in, I'll make it real clear for you so you have no mistakes about it. Man, we believe that when we pray, God hears us. We believe it without a shadow of a doubt. That every time I pray for the sick, every time I pray for a miracle, every time I pray for people to get saved, I believe God's gonna do it. And I trust that he's gonna do it. Every time we pray, we, we believe that. And, and every time we intercede. Now, and I remember what I said last week too, right? Is interceding is praying, but not all praying is interceding. There's a, there's a difference and it's, it's clear and it's distinct, man. Intercession, right? The, the heavens suffer violence and the violent, right? The violent take it by force. Man, we believe that when we intercede, heaven will invade earth and God will shake and move things that you never thought could be moving and shaken, ever. And so that, that's, what, that's what we believe. We, we believe as we intercede before Jesus on behalf of others, when we pray for healings, when we, when we pray for salvations, when we pray for sanctifications, when we, when we pray for freedom on people, man, we believe God's gonna show up and set them free on behalf of our prayers. We believe it. And, and the reason we believe it, first and foremost, is because God's word says it. That, that's why we believe it, because we can find it right in here. 
example after example of God doing that for his people. Second is because I've seen it displayed in my life and in the lives of those around us. That's why I have Shane, had Shane come up and, and give his testimony because you, you know, it's good to put a reference point with it. It, it. it sounds like one thing to say it, but another thing to see it. It's, it's amazing. It's incredible. And I've seen God work incredible miracles in my life. ACL is completely torn. God completely heal it in an instant. Insane stuff. Literally insane stuff. Doctors like, how did that happen? I don't know. I'm dumbfounded. My wife says, yeah, Jesus healed him. I wish I would have been spiritual in that moment, but I wasn't. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. But it was wild. I mean, God has, has showed up and, and healed me on several occasions and set me free. And it's, it's amazing. And I've seen, I've seen God do it in many other people's lives as, as well. But what's really cool is the best is still yet to come. He's not finished with us yet. Amen. Even if we've seen God move in miraculous ways in our lives, the best is still yet to come. Because he is the inexhaustible well. His goodness, his faithfulness never runs dry. Ever. But I've, I've seen God move in the lives of, of people around me on so many different occasions because we've interceded on their behalf. And you know, the, the one thing that I was, I was thinking about when it comes to intercession and, and the church is, is, man, it's really become a lost art in the church. It really has become a lost art when it should be the most cherished of all things that we do is, is intercession. Matter of fact, there was several people that, that started coming here, you know, a while back and they never even heard of intercession. They didn't know what it was. And that's an indictment on us, on me, <laughs> not on anybody else, me. But, but I think this, the modern church somehow has gotten away from intercession. I almost like to say like, ah, you know what, God, we got it. It's cool. I've lived life a little bit. I got a little bit of a track record with you. And so, man, I've seen you do it before back then. And so I'll just, I'll just put it on repeat and have you do the same thing now that you did then, expect you to move the same way you did then now. Because we're, we're satisfied on yesterday's manna. But see, God doesn't work that way, man. man God, God says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. And so this is why we gotta be constantly interceding the throne of heaven going after him in the place of inter, intercession. And so look, man, the, the church has, 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 has left that behind for some reason or not. Listen, I'm, I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm, I'm preaching to anybody else. But thanks be to God, man, he's stirring this gift back up in his body, in this body specifically, this gift of, of intercession. And I'm telling you, man, I put the devil on notice. We're coming after you with everything that is within us. We're not playing defense, we're playing offense. And we're gonna do it before, before the throne of God. I'm sick of allowing him to come and attack us. Let's attack him by getting in front of the throne of heaven. Like, I'm tired of it. And so, man, yeah, we, 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 we got our eyes off the prize for a little bit, being too busy, and man, not no more. And we won't stop, we, we won't. You know, it's funny, man, I can remember when, when Julie and I first came here over eight years ago now, Man, God is faithful, and you guys are a glutton for punishment. Um, but um, I can remember, man, we, we literally prayed about everything. Like, like I'm, not, I'm not even kidding you. Every single decision, we took it before God and fasted and prayed. You, you know why? Because we didn't know anything. We didn't know nothing at all. Probably still don't know much, really. Well, I do. I don't know about her. But um, so... <clears throat> We didn't know nothing. And the only thing we had was prayer. That was it. And I tell you, man, we, my wife and I have talked about it several times. I miss those days 
when I literally had no idea, I had zero idea what to do. When an issue arose, I had no clue. I never led a church before. I'd, I'd, I'd assisted a, a pastor out in Cleveland, very little work. I, I didn't know how to do any of it. So every time I had to go in before, before the Lord. And I'm telling you, man, God is so faithful that the Bible says in the moment where you need to know what to speak, the Holy Spirit will fill your mouth. And I never found that so prevalent in my life during those first four or five years of ministry, man. He filled my mouth. They'd be like, man, that's good. I don't know what I just said, man, but cool. I'm glad it was good. Um, yeah, but man, we would, we would pray so much. But, but I think after a while, you know, you, you, stop, you stop putting a high premium on that because you think, again, you can do it yourself. Like, hey, I've become a professional at this. We can figure this out. We can figure this out, God. I also think this, I think the church somewhere down the road has fell into a really bad theology really bad one, where they, they, they have confused the sovereignty of God. They've confused it. And, and what we've done is this, we've got this mindset that, well, if, if God's just going to do whatever God's going to do, and we can't say nothing about it, God's just going to do it. So why even pray about it? I mean, if that's your attitude, and that's your thought, then why would you pray about it? God's already decided. I mean, so, so but that's not what the Bible teaches. That's actually not correct theology. We somehow bought into that, to that lie that we have nothing to say and nothing to do with what happens on this, this earth. There's no way to, to change, to bring about a different outcome than, than what was previously thought of. We don't, we don't have the authority to, to do that. But I'm gonna show you how that's, that's just not true according to scripture, according to God's word. But it's funny, right? Because everybody I've talked to with that type of a mindset and that type of a, a view on, on God, they always come at me with the same, with the same scripture. And I, and I never understood it because they're like, well, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So there's no way you can change what's on his heart or on his mind because he's the same yesterday, today, forever. I'm like, yeah, but that's not what the context of the scripture is. That's Hebrews chapter 13. And what's happening is, is the writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage the church there's a false teaching that's just come in and said, you can't live holy. You can't live righteous. God isn't with you. And he says, no, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't you know that the Bible says that he'll never leave you nor forsake you so you can live this life for him. You don't have to fear the enemy. You don't have to fear any of it because God will help you because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You, you can know that he is still with you today. In other words, because God doesn't matter when God said it, as long as he said it, then he will, he will complete it in his his time. It's, it's incredible. No matter when God says something, if he said it, you can take it to the bank. But that scripture has nothing to do with whether or not we have a say on this earth with what takes place on this earth. See, God has given us the right as his children. Oh, what love that he's lavished upon us that we should be called children of the most high God. He's, he's given us the right as his children as his people, as a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, separated for his own possession. He's given us the right to be able to speak in to what is happening on this earth and what goes on on this earth. God's chosen to give that to us. You can go clear back to Genesis 1 and find it if you want to. It started then. Male and female, he created them, by the way. Created male and female. Why? To be fruitful, multiply. And the Bible says to rule over the earth, to rule it. 
And everything in it is what the Bible says. Everything in it and on the earth were to rule over it. See, God decided at the beginning of time when he created us to give us that type of power and authority. See, because he said it back then, it's still true today because he's the same yesterday. See how that works? Same yesterday, today, and for forever. It's amazing. God created us with the intention of partnering with us on this earth. This is why we're created in his own image. So he could partner with us to bring about his glory and his purposes on the earth. That's why he did it. To bring about his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in, in heaven. And we do that through, the, through our relationship with Jesus, through his power and his authority. Listen to me, obviously God's sovereignty, God can choose to do whatever God wants to do, I promise you. I mean, he literally chose to look at something formless, without, you know, without form and void, right? He, he chose to look at it, speak as though it is, and boom, it comes to life. Like he made something out of nothing. Bere, which is the creation of, I can, I can take absolutely nothing and make it something. This is what God can do. So God can do anything. He's omnipresent, he's omniscient, right? He's, he's, he's omnipotent. He can do whatever he decides to do. And I'll tell you, man, I, 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 multiple times in my life, I find myself asking him to do that. <laughs> like, Lord, would you please just take over? We're screwing this thing up so bad. <laughs> We're messing it all up. We're messing the church up. We're messing the earth up. Like we, we, we can't get it right. Won't you come and take over? But that's not what he does. That's not how God does it. Instead, he partners with us. And he desires for us to desire to partner with him, to bring about his will and his ways upon this earth. And so he has given us the right, the right to bring about heavenly change on a broken earth through the miracle of intercession. God's decided that. And he's decided it for now. And the, and the reason I say for, for now is because there's gonna come one day when the trumpet sounds and the Eastern sky cracks and every eye will see and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, no matter you want to or not, don't matter. Soon as the Eastern sky cracks and he comes riding on the cloud, shining like the sun, soon as that happens, all of us are just, we're along for the ride. Okay, Jesus. He shows up to take over then. He'll rule on this earth, the Bible says, for a thousand years, the millennial reign of Christ. He'll bring down a new Jerusalem, right? Have a new earth and a new heavens will be created and Jesus himself will rule. In that time, yeah, he'll give us jobs and different things like that, but that he'll rule directly then. But right now he's chosen to use us, to use us to bring about his, his purposes. This is the miracle of intercession. And so... So man, we, we gotta understand it. We, we, gotta, we gotta walk in it so that we can see heaven on this earth. There's one story I'm gonna, I'm gonna share with you in Genesis chapter 18. It's an incredible story. And we're about a quarter of the way done. We only got 40 more minutes. I'm kidding, I think. <clears throat> Genesis 18, okay, what's happening here is, is the Lord along with a couple visitors, shows up to Abraham's house. It's in the heat of the day. And yes, it's Father Abraham who had, who had many sons. Many sons of Father Abraham. I'm one of them. You're, so let's just praise the Lord. That Father Abraham, right? That's who he shows up to, to meet. And the Bible says it's in the, the heat of the day. Abraham's in his tent just chilling, right? Trying to stay cool. 
looks up. He knows the Lord is near. He looks up and sees the visitors. Right, he sees it. And, and scripture says this, that, that, that Abraham, right, was so honored and blessed to have God there. So honored and so humbled by the fact that, that God chose to show up and meet with him. And I started to think about that and how the church today and how we, we act at times and how we really need to start being a people, a people who are focused on being honored that God chose us. So honored by that. So humbled by the fact that he desires to have a relationship with us, to, to partner with us. So, so humbled by it. And then our response, because of the honor and the, and the humility, our response is, God, I'll give you everything. You name it, you can have it. You name it, I'll, I'll get, you tell me what to do, I'll do it. I don't even care what it is. You just tell me, Lord, because I want to be with you because I'm so honored and humbled by it. See, I think, I think a lot of times we think, or let's say some of the time, I don't want to offend everybody. I'll just offend some of you. But I think some of the times we think that God should feel honored that we're with him. Like we are gracing God with our presence. This is why our attitude when it comes to church is like, hey man, I make it to church. Well, God, I was so busy and I, I made time for you. As if that, right? As if God should be so, so blessed by your presence in his house. This is how we treat him often, very often. And man, what a lie from the enemy, man. That God is just chomping at the bit for us to make a decision to follow him when actually, man, we should be laying on our face, crying before him, saying, God, I just want you. However I need to do, I surrender all, like that song. All my surrender. All my surrender, I want you. See, what we've got to understand is we've been purchased with the price. Did you know that? You already bought and paid for. Your life is no longer your own. It's not yours. It's his. The Bible says you've been purchased with the price and it's the price of the blood of Jesus Christ, the only begotten son. To purchase you, he paid a high price. And so we need to live that way and walk that way and, and talk that way and be so grateful to God for it. Stop acting like we're so busy we can't come to church. And when we do, it's like, yeah, praise the Lord. To spend time with him when we read our word. Well, we're just too busy. It's, it's hard to get time with him because I got this, I got that. I got... Come on, man. Whatever we see and deem important, we'll make time for it. I promise you that. And don't tell me you won't. Because if you're married, you make time for your wife or you wouldn't be married. Not very long anyway. And you should find her important. <laughs> But I'm just saying, man, if it's important, we'll make sure we spend time with him. We'll make sure of it. And we should be so eager to do that. If we could actually catch a revelation of what an incredible gift it is, that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one that spoke everything into existence by his very breath, desires to touch you and know you on a personal level. It's, a, it's amazing. We should be so grateful. And so this was Abraham's response. I'll get off of that and move on. That's one tangent. We got a couple more, but <clears throat> that was Abraham's response. He sees the Lord show up in the visitor's man and he hops up so quick and he's so excited. He says, hey, Lord, I tell you what, I'll go get some water and I'll wash your feet. 
I just want to be near you. I don't care what that looks like. I don't care if it's washing your feet. I'll do anything. I just, I just want to touch you and be close to you, Lord. So, so could you please sit down and let me wash your feet? And, and, and by the way, stay a little longer. And I'll go cook you some food. I'll go get my choice meat. I'll go, I, I will make it, I, I will throw down for you, Lord. Long as you stay with me. This was his response. And so the Lord does it. He does it. And while the Lord was there, the Bible says that God blesses Abraham. He blesses Abraham by telling him of his promise. You're going to have a son. Kind of funny, actually, because they're super old, right? Like they're super old people, like 100 years old or something crazy, right? And God's like, God's like, hey, you're going to have a kid. His wife is hiding in the tent, behind the tent. She starts laughing, like under her breath. Like, yeah, okay. And that's what she does. So God calls her out. He's like, why is Sarah laughing? I'm not laughing, Lord. Like, what? You can't hide that from God. What's wrong with you? Yeah. He blesses Abraham. It's incredible. And I love this because this is what this tells us. This is what it tells us. Because God's no respecter of person. Hear me. Hear me, man. He wants to do the same thing he did for Abraham, for you and for me. It's amazing. But what this tells us is, is this. Wherever the Lord shows up, his blessings show up with him. And whenever the Lord shows up and his blessings are with him, his promises follow. This is why we should hunger and thirst for righteousness to spend time with him so we can get to know him. After the Lord blesses Abraham with his promise, the text says this. It says that the, that the visitors, right, got up to leave. And Abraham followed them out. He walked with them on their, their way. And as they were walking out, says that the, the visitors, not the Lord, but the visitors, says, look down and seen Sodom and Gomorrah. Looks down on it. And it's interesting what's said next in verse 17. And the Lord said this, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do. See, because God desired to partner with Abraham, he didn't want to hide anything from Abraham. Shall I hide? He's questioning himself. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And the reason is, is this, because the reality, guys, here's, here's the reality. When we hide things from people or the Lord, we're not trying to be in partnership with those people or the Lord. Partnership takes openness. It takes us being open and, and transparent. That's what it takes. If we wanna partner with God, we can't be like Sarah standing behind the thing, laughing about it, acting like God don't see it. God sees it anyway, so you might as well be open about it. You, you might as well, instead of trying to hide it in your own heart, because God reads a man's heart, man and woman's heart. But hiding does not make us partners with him. Matter of fact, we are supposed to to confess those things to one another. Do you know that? The Bible says, confess your sins to one another. Confess your sins to one another so that your body may be healed and your sins may be forgiven. That's what James tells us. See, we aren't meant to do life alone. We aren't meant to do life all hidden and, and to ourselves and trying to keep people out. We're, we're not meant to do that. We're created for community. We're created for partnerships. That's how God made us. And so, man, openness creates 
partnership. And so the Lord shows up here, right, to meet with Abraham. On his way out, he's leaving. He says, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Verse 18, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. And all nations on the earth will be blessed through him. How many of you, you realize this? You were put here on this earth to be a blessing. That's why you're here. Not to just be blessed, but to, to be a blessing to others. See, the Bible says this before the foundations of the world were formed. You were created to do good works. You were created to do good works. He says, let your good deeds shine before all men so that they may worship and glorify your father who is in, in heaven. See, you were put here to be a blessing, not to just be blessed. Come on, look at your neighbor. Say, I am blessed. Tell them, say, I am blessed to be a blessing. Yeah, you're supposed to take the blessings of God everywhere you go to every single person you meet. And this is why God is partnering with you for his, his blessings to multiply through you and to those around you. It's incredible. Jesus tells us this. He says, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, saying, you are blessed to be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. He goes on to say this for, in verse 19, for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way and the will of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Here in verse 19 is the key to intercession. It's the key to intercession. And we'll, we'll come back to it and unlock it in a few moments. But I just wanna to walk with you here through this, this next part. The conversation that ensues between God and Abraham right after this. In verses 20 through 33, it's a wild picture, a wild conversation that takes place. See, the Lord doesn't hide from Abraham what he's about to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. He doesn't hide it, he reveals it. And he's about to destroy the entire cities, both cities, and all the people in it. He's about to wipe them all out. He's gonna rain sulfur and fire from heaven. I'm not even sure what that is, but it doesn't sound fun, right? Like, and it's gonna, it's gonna destroy, wipe out everything, all the livestock, everything. Every planted, everything is gonna die. And he, and he tells it, why, why is that gonna happen? Because Sodom and Gomorrah lived in a way that was detestable, the Bible says, detestable before God. They lived according to their own flesh, which Galatians chapter two would tell you that, that the things of the flesh are evident. They're, they're evident, sexual immorality, homosexuality, orgies, da 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 divisions, all this stuff, rivalries. And things like these is what the Bible says. And things like these that align with your flesh and not with the spirit of God. And this is what these people did. This is all they did, man. And God said, okay, enough's enough, man. Enough is enough. And because of that, God was gonna send judgment upon them by raining down fire and sulfur and destroying them. Now, what I find very amazing here about this story is this. When Abraham learns of the plans of God, Abraham doesn't just say, yeah, they deserve it. Abraham's seen all the sin that was going on down there. I guarantee you, Abraham wasn't going nowhere near that city. He stayed with his family and his people. I ain't going down there, bunch of crazies. 
right? Like he knew what was happening in those cities, but yet he doesn't just sit down and throw his hands up in the air. Like I can't do nothing about it. God, you already made your mind up anyway. So why am I going to waste my time praying about it? You've already made your mind up. Just do whatever you got to do. And even, even probably make it, you know, a little Christianese in there. Like, well, they've reaped what they've sown. And so, you know, go ahead and give it to them, God. Go ahead, God, they deserve it. That's, that's not what Abraham does. That's not what Abraham does. But I wonder how many, how many of us feel that way when we look at our own country and the cities in our country and all that's happening. I know there's several people that I've heard come right out and say it. They can get whatever they deserve from the Lord. One day God will judge them, asking for God's judgment to come instead of God's grace. Give them what they deserve. I'm telling you right now, I'm so grateful God didn't give me what I deserved. Instead of judgment, he gave me grace. Instead of wrath, he gave me mercy. I'm so glad he didn't give me what I deserved. So I don't pray for God to give others what they deserve. Because the measure in which you give something is the measure in which it will be given back to you. You give mercy, you'll get it back. You give grace, you'll get it back in good measure. Press down, shaken together, running over. It'll be placed in your lap. Instead of Abraham calling on the judgments of God, he begins to call on the mercy of God. Remember last week we talked about when we intercede on behalf of people, remind God of who he is. You're not actually reminding him of who he is. You're reminding yourself of who he is. He knows who he is, but he wants to hear your heart in the midst of this thing. How do you view it? There's authority in his word, even spoken back to him. It's amazing. But Abraham, he... He sees it. It's almost like you can see Abraham contemplating in his mind as he's negotiating with God. He's negotiating with intercession. He says, God, God, I'll tell you what, instead of destroying all of them, what if I find 50? God, if I find 50 righteous, if I find 50, will you spare the entire city? Not just the 50, but you'll spare them all. God says, sure. Yeah, Abraham. Because you prayed it, asked it. Yeah. I'll save all of them if you can find me 50. And, and it's almost like you can see Abraham counting, right? No, for real. Like he's like, okay, I know. Okay, my nephew, Lot. Yeah, I know. Well, he's sort of righteous. I don't know. I heard him at Christmas last week. Whew, that was bad. But, and, and, he, and, he, and he begins to, to count and, and he's trying to figure it out. And what about his neighbor and the coworker? And yeah, I don't, he can't get to 50. He's like, I'm not even close to 50. Oh my gosh. Okay, God, 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 God. Look, instead of 50, how about 45? Would you spare the entire city and everyone in it for 45 righteous? Yep, I'll do it for 45 because you've prayed, because you've interceded on, my behalf, on their behalf. I'll, I'll do it for 45. Again, he's sweating bullets now, I guarantee it. He's got his shoes off trying to count toes and everything, trying to figure out, can I get to 45? Can I, can I get there? He figures out he, he, can't, he can't get to 45. He goes back to God, God. What about 40? Would you, would you save the whole city for 40 righteous, Lord? Would, you're not gonna kill the righteous along with the wicked if there's 40, would you? you wouldn't, you're too good for that. You're too merciful for that. So if I find 40, God, God says, yep. If you find 40, I'll spare them all. I'll rescue and save every last one of them. Abraham counting men frantically. Might even got, I don't know what they wrote on back then, but a stone and a, I don't know but trying to write it down like who, okay man oh my gosh 
And now he realizes he can't get to 40 either. He can't find 40 righteous people in those big cities and their big hustling, bustling cities. He can't find 40 righteous. And so then he realizes that multiples of five coming down was gonna take too long. I gotta jump this thing up to 10. So now he goes from 40 to 30. God, don't be angry with me. But what if I can find 30 righteous? Would you save the whole city for 30, God? Yeah, I'll save them all if you can find 30. Still can't find 30. Not 30 people who love the Lord, who gave their life to the Lord, who walked by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Couldn't find 30 people out of those thousands of people. This is how far they had went, how far they had gone. He says, okay, God, what about 20? God, don't be angry, but what about 20? Would you save it for 20? Yeah, yeah, I'll save it for 20. I'll save it for 20. Okay, Lord, I can't find 20. There's not even 20 out of all these thousands of people, not even 20 people that gave their life to you. Not even 20. What about 10? And don't be angry, Lord. Don't, don't be angry with me. Hold your anger right away from me. Don't, don't let it be kindled against me. What, what about 10, God, if I find 10? Yeah, I'll save them all for even 10 righteous, Abraham. The Bible says that Abraham turns and walks away. He couldn't even find 10 righteous in those cities, not even 10. God ends up sparing his nephew Lot from the hellfire and brimstone, but not anybody else. Matter of fact, Lot's wife turns around and watches what happens and she gets turned into a pillar of salt. Why? Because she was holding on to what God called her out of. There's so many times when we return to what God has called us out of. Instead of just going forward where God is taking us, we want to go back to what used to capture us and hold us captive. And so she turned around and looked and God, okay, you want that? You can have it. Just the nephew is the only one that got saved out of them whole cities and his kids. You know, some of the things that, that, that I think about when it comes to intercession and the miracle of it, and the key to it was in verse 19. Why could Abraham pray this way? Why, why was he able to negotiate with God like this and intercede on behalf and have God actually listen? And, and literally was gonna change his complete mind and his heart. His heart was set to kill Sodom and Gomorrah and everybody in it. But Abraham's prayer touched the heart of the father in such a way that God was going to change his whole direction and plan of it. Why? Well, verse 19, it tells us. Because Abraham will walk in the ways of the Lord. Because he will do the will of the father. See, our intercession before God, if we want to see God move in, in a miraculous way, bring heaven to earth. We've got to pray the will of the Father. His will. See, Abraham knew that it was the will of the Father to reconcile all things to himself. He knew it was God's heart. It was, it was the will of God to save people who were far from him. He knew it. And so he just prayed that. God, I know. I know that you, you desire for people to know you. I, I know you do. And I, I know you desire to give mercy over judgment because mercy triumphs over judgment is what the Bible says. So I know that God. And so he was able to pray and intercede on behalf and touch the heart of the father because it was the will of the father already to save those people.
So we gotta pray his will. And listen to me, anytime you're praying for healing, man, you can believe it because it's God's will to heal. If it wasn't God's will to heal, there'd be no reason to have Jesus take on stripes on his back. There's no reason to, what's the point? By your stripes, we are healed. Now, do I know why people are healed and others aren't? I don't know that answer. All I know is, is if God, God would, if, if he didn't desire and it not be his will to heal, there'd have been no reason to beat his son like that to a pulp. So when we pray for his healing, we're praying his will to come upon the earth. When we're praying for salvation, see the Bible says that God is not slow, like some would deem slowness, but he's patient, hoping that all would return to repentance and receive eternal life. So when we pray for salvations on behalf of our loved ones, our community, even our country, man, it's praying God's will and anything can happen when we pray his will. When we pray his will, that's, that's, the, that's the key. You know, and I was thinking about this though, I was thinking about this actually during last service while I was preaching it came to mind I didn't, I didn't even study it or anything but it just came to my mind I wonder why Abraham stopped at 10 why stop you went from 50 to 10 try 5 I'm serious Like why, why would he stop I didn't, not that I have a clear cut answer for that or anything like that but I was just thinking why, why stop there though God is really really good he's really merciful why not? And it got me thinking, how many times have we stopped praying and stopped short of the salvation of the Lord? How many times have we, we just gave up and said, you know what? I've already prayed a lot anyway, and God's already been merciful, so why go any further? I'll just, I'll just stop right here and, and rob people of their own salvation and their own healing because we're not willing to keep pressing into God in the place of intercession. Started thinking about in that same line of thought, Joash, King Joash, right? Second Kings, he's getting ready to be tore up, man. Syria's got a massive army, massive army. They're coming to attack and they outnumber, they outnumber his army. They, they don't even say, cause it's so vast. There's no way to win the war. So he goes to Elisha and he says, Elisha, man of God, what do I do? What, what do I do? How do I, how do I defeat this enemy? How do I do it? So Elisha says, grab your bow and your arrow and shoot into the sky and we're gonna crack the Eastern sky and God's gonna show up and fight for you. But then after he does that, he says, now grab the arrows and strike the ground. Joash grabs the arrows and he, and he, and he hits it, the ground once, hits it twice, hits it three times and then stops. And Elisha goes, why are you stopping? Why didn't you strike the ground six times? If you would have struck it six times, I'd have destroyed your enemy for good. He would have never been able to come back after you. But because you stopped, you only have a limited amount of victory. How many times have we stopped? We stopped short, not striking the ground enough, not hitting our knees enough, not, not pursuing God enough. Man, I'm telling you, I wanna see salvation of this country. I wanna see America return to one nation under God, where it's known and said, not that everything was perfect, I'm not saying that, but there was at least an understanding by everybody that this is one nation under God and who we trust. And now they're removing all that, they're taking all that out of the way and trying to get rid of God. I'm believing America to be saved in Jesus' name. 
I'm believing it. And I'm not going to stop praying for it either. Because it's God's will to finish what he started in this country. And I'll be doggone, man, if the enemy's going to do it on my watch. That he's going to steal it out from under us. And cause us to be lulled into a sleep and not strike the ground more than three times. Just stop at 10. One of my prayers is constantly, God, you were going to do it for 10 for Sodom and Gomorrah. I can name a bunch of people that love you and that are coming after you. Save us because of them. Save all of America because of those righteous people, God. That's my, that's my prayer to God right now for this country. Guys, the miracle of intercession, you have the ability to call heaven to earth. Just pray his will. Go after him. Don't stop. Don't grow tired. Don't grow weary in doing good for in due season, you will reap a harvest. You will see God move in your life. You've been praying for healing for 50 years. Let's pray for 50, whatever. 10 more, 20 more, whatever we got to do. Let's keep praying and believing God for our lives. You're believing for an unsaved loved one to come to know Jesus. You've been praying for 30 years and, and, and they've been a drug addict that long or an alcoholic that long. Man, don't stop. Keep praying. God will show up and God will set them free. Stand to our feet. Man, church, be asking God to give you a revelation on the miracle of intercession so you can be encouraged by it, strengthened by it, believing God for whatever it is that you're believing him for. Just like when we believe for God to heal shame, the shoulder, he touched and healed him. He's a miracle working power, God, guys. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I bless your people this morning. I pray right now by the spirit, God, that you would deposit the seed of intercession in each and every one of our hearts. And I pray it would find fertile soil, that God, it would produce a a crop for you, a fruit for your kingdom, 30, 60, 100 fold. God, give us this desire, a deep desire to go after you in the place of intercession. Let us realize the power and authority. Let us realize it. I thank you for each and every one of these people, God. Strengthen them. Lead them. Teach them your ways. In Jesus' name.